This episode of Unsweetened and Unfiltered is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash unsweetened and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash unsweetened. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Audible. I have long commutes, ladies, on the metro train. I don't want to lug around all my books that I'm reading, so I just download Audible on my phone, and I just download the book that I want to read. So make sure you visit the site at audibletrial.com slash unsweetened. Welcome to the first episode of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Before we dive in today's first episode, we just want to thank you ladies for all the love and support you have shown thus far. Thank you for listening in on our introduction episode and for showing all that love in our comments. Before we get into today's guest, I kind of want to reflect on the New Zealand shooting that happened on Friday that claimed the lives of 49 people. It's very disheartening to see that something like this, a tragedy like this, can happen at any mosque, at any place. And I just feel like as a community, this is a time where we have to really, truly come together and not allow hate and instill fear in us. Absolutely. We have to stand up and show that acts of violence such as these will not stop us from being the Muslims that we are. No, and I'm, I'm truly proud of all the posts that I've seen of everybody coming together. It was just beautiful seeing people from other religions coming to our mosques, showing up and showing their support. So I honestly truly do believe in the notion that love trumps hate. It, it really does. Absolutely. Um, but I also want to dive a little bit deeper into our community specifically, and this is why we have this special guest speaking in a little bit. I think as a community, we need to find ways to heal before we care more so about what the West thinks of us. I understand that it is important to showcase that our you know, religion is peaceful and everything, but I, I also believe that we have to start within our community before we try to sell our right. religion or sell we who we are. from within yeah. before we can move on. Yes, exactly. Um, and today we have our special guest, which is Ithaf Room. She was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York by Palestinian immigrants. She teaches English literature at her local college in North Carolina, where she also lives with her two children. And she actually also runs Instagram um, account Books and Beans, which I absolutely love. It's like any book recommendation you need, you got to check Books and Beans out because she has every book out there and yes. I absolutely love it. And Itaf just debuted her first novel, A Woman is No Man, that follows three generations of Palestinian women and the struggles they face in their day-to-day lives. Yeah, and I think the reason why we chose her as our first guest is because her book touches upon a lot of topics, a lot of deep topics. A lot of taboo topics. Yeah, such as domestic violence, mental health, marriage, everything. Right, kind of the things that we don't talk about openly yeah again this is not a book podcast but it was just it was very fitting that she wrote about everything that our community needs to really focus on and find ways to heal from and it, i am excited for this I i'm excited too. to have her i truly love her she's somebody that i you know just met recently maybe a year ago and it was just i i i really wanted her on i really wanted her to be our first guest so so let's dive into it yes Hey, Dov. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. How's it going? Alhamdulillah, it's good. That's great. So, of course, we're here to talk about your new debut novel called A Woman is No Man. Um, How about we just dive into it and just 
you know, give us a little overview of it without spilling any details, you know? Sounds great. Um, my debut novel, A Woman Is No Man, is about three generations of Palestinian American women living in Brooklyn and how they struggle their individual desires against the cultural norms of the community that they were, you know, grown up in. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of, it resonated a lot with me. And I, this is like probably my third time reading it because I know when you first introduced it to me, I know you were in like in the phase of like publishing it and everything. And I was like, wow, like finally a book that I can actually truly relate to. And it was, of course, because it talked a lot about our culture and it talked a lot about marriage and the pressure of a, a girl having to get married before a certain age and whatnot. So see, for me, I resonated a lot with this book at moments. And there were other moments where I was like, I had to put the book down and look at my husband and go like, wow, like things like this actually are still happening to this day. And I felt so naive that like, you know, for me, I was never pressured into getting married or getting married to a certain person or whatever. Or, you know, I was telling Dunya last night, like college was never a question. It was you are going to college and you just have to decide what you want to study. So I felt like this book kind of opened my eyes to the the things that are happening beyond what I know. And beyond your scope, to. beyond yeah. of what your family goes through. Because I don't know about you, Athoff. Did you ever have to actually sit down, do the sit down with different guys and see who's a fit for you and whatnot? Yeah, that, I mean, that's how I essentially got married. I had an arranged marriage. And yeah. I sat down with suitors, and I met, you know, my husband, or my ex-husband now, mm-hmm. w- once before we got married. So, oh, wow. you know, he didn't even live in the place that I lived in. He lived in a different state, and so... Because you're from Brooklyn so yeah. initially. Yeah, and he's from North Carolina, and that's why I live in North Carolina now. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was a reality for me, but I do love the fact that both of you women have different perspectives and different um, views of the world coming into the story. And I didn't want to write about mainstream Arab culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the whole, that's the whole reason people write and choose to write about different perspectives is that to tell some dark aspects that are not represented in literature, because there's many brilliant Palestinian American women that are writing now about, you know, just the, the normal topics to discuss, like the Israeli occupation mm-hmm. and, you know, the very beautiful things about our culture. But I haven't read anything about the dark aspects of our culture. And I felt like that was not fair for the women who are suffering through these injustices, suffering until today, for their stories not to be told. Yeah. And then it makes them feel alone. It makes them feel like, am I the only one in a horrible marriage? Or am I the only one that's not allowed to go to college? Or I come from a strict family. And you know why? Because we live in a social media type of day and age where everybody just showcases the best moments of their lives. Mm -hmm. And then there's women that actually, you know, I went through a divorce myself. And then there's some of us that actually like, we went through a lot and we went through it alone by ourselves because we didn't have anyone else to really talk to about it. And the reason being is when you do go talk to somebody about the situation that you're in, they'd be like, well, maybe you're doing this wrong. Maybe you're doing that wrong. It's always your fault, basically. Or you're not being patient enough. Like, you got to just wait. Things will get better. This is just the first year and whatnot of marriage. And it's like, no, that shouldn't be be okay. It shouldn't, yeah. So, I mean, this book covers so many taboo topics like marriage, like domestic violence. As you were writing it, were you afraid of the backlash from your community? Mm -hmm. Were you afraid of upsetting people within your own uh, community? Yeah, I mean, I'm still afraid of that till today on some level. Right. I was, I mean, I think 
there were two things that I was afraid of. Um, number one, I was afraid of reta retaliation within my community for exposing some of these, you know, secrets. Of course. Um, because that's that's very present and very true. Right. You know, the things that I talk about are things that happen, that things that I've experienced experienced firsthand, so I can speak on them authentically. But also things that I've seen happen to friends and family. Like, the, you know, nobody can come to me and say, "Hey, why did you tell the story? It's a lie." No one, yeah. you know, because it's not. So yes, I was afraid of the retaliation, anyone who will come to me out of anger for the things that I've exposed. But I think more importantly than that, I was afraid of westernizing. I mean, I was afraid of stereotyping our community exactly, further. Exactly, yeah. Cause because there are was, people who don't have an idea of what it is to be an Arab and they're just Americans or, you know, from people from the Western culture who are reading this book and they might get a sense of this is exactly, this is the only thing that happens in an Arab community, not realizing that it's just a fraction. Of yeah, it's, a, well, it's an authentic I mean, story. Go ahead. Yeah, but I, th I, and I think that people, I think, and I think it's it's very limiting to think that, right? Because yeah. I mean, I was thinking that at one point. I was thinking to myself, I shouldn't tell the story because the Westerners who are reading the story are going to think that this is the only way that Arabs live. But even that is such a naive thought because, is, yeah. you know, when we read um, American Psycho, which is about a white yeah. American man, student, that's like killing people, he's a serial killer, we don't assume that all white men are serial killers, right? Absolutely so, not. So it's such a limiting, like it's such a burden for any um, minority writer or any yeah. woman writer or any Arab writer that's representing a community or a culture. It's such a burden for them to have to think about how the West is going to interpret their work. And then by doing so, limiting the truth of what they're saying. That's exactly because of the fear. Exactly what you and I spoke to um, off mic, um, you and I, Ithaf, about the fact that our culture, I think the reason why our community is that we have so many open wounds that have not healed yet is because we're constantly thinking about what the West thinks about us. We're constantly trying to showcase that, like, no, we don't want to reaffirm your beliefs, that we're not a, an oppressive t uh, group or a community. Like, you know, we're, we're succeeding, we're moving forward. But mm -hmm. at the same time, maybe half of us are moving forward, maybe half of us are educated and are not forced into marriage or we're not being um, domestically attacked by our husbands or wives. It could go either or because I don't think as a community we haven't given ourselves a chance to heal we haven't exposed all the dark secrets within our community because we're so we're trying so hard to hide it away from the west right. that the wounds are still there right. there are it's, still women that are going through yeah. this haram by themselves without any resources without any help and without even a voice they, they're silent you know so I think right now at this point because I, I was hesitant when you first told me what your book was about and I was like oh no I don't want them to think that Oh, this is what we're about. But then I was like, no, you know what? If I can relate to her book, then that says something that right. maybe we do need more books like these on the shelves. I that do we, believe we do. Yeah, we do because yeah. it, it kind of almost made me feel a little bit better knowing that I wasn't the only one going through this and there's other women that are going through this as well. And we should speak up about it. Yeah. And, and also I just want to point out that you and I are very privileged. Very. So right. if you and I, like I'm extremely educated, you're yeah. extremely educated. So for you and I to, to be having this conversation, to, to be in like, you know, to be in a position where we could do something about our lives post-divorce or, you know, well, post-divorce for both yeah. of us, post whatever hardship. What about all the, the women that can't? Yes. So, you know, and I tell this to people, like, this isn't even about me. Like, sure, these are this the story comes from my heart and my own life experiences. 
but what I don't think about myself when I'm writing it, I think about the people who are much less privileged than I am and can't stand up for themselves. Yeah, and that's who voice. I'm writing it for. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I want everybody to know about this book. Like it's it's more than just a book. It yeah, touches there on were a so lot of many points topics. Where, like, this book got my like blood flowing, like in my heart, like pumping. And then there were times where I would sit there and read and like with tears in my eyes. Like yeah. this is such an incredible book. And I am I just applaud you for writing about something so it's such a scary topic to write about. Personally, I, I know girls that have come to me because, I guess, of my social media presence. And I think I've touched upon my divorce and whatnot, but I never delved too deep into it. I'm just not ready. But um, I, I, I have women that come to me and they just they, they don't have the means to just move out of their house and to get a divorce and to move forward with their life. Either they financially they can't or they also don't have a family that can support them. So what do you do with a woman that is getting abused by her husband but she has no means to move out and to start a new life? And I, I, I really find something like that that as a community we need to come together and we need to protect these women and we need to be an outlet for them. They shouldn't be fearful of coming Absolutely. out in the open and be like, I need your help. And we should be able to come to them in open arms even our own messages should be able to come to them in open arms without because yeah, who who else is going to help us if it's not our own community yes exactly yeah. and how are we ever gonna heal as a community and show the west that this is what we are and this is what we're about and our culture is rich and it's beautiful our religion is even more peaceful you know i mm-hmm. noticed do you want to move into the mental health yes because that was a big point. you were good with yeah. it off you I, was, see, I didn't realize yeah. it until the third time i read i was like wow like you hinted so much at it and yeah it, there was so many instances in this book that pointed at mental illnesses inside in sort of a way that wasn't like in your face like no you know it's not facing depression um and and even like the alcoholism of you know that adam had but it's kind of like in in Farida's opinion, it's the gin. So we sort of... <laughs> you want to talk a yeah. little bit more about that, girl? <laughs> I love, I loved. I mean, that was one of my favorite parts. Um, mental, illness, mental illness is something very, you know, close to my heart. And mm-hmm. I've seen it over and over again in my community. You know, I, I've suffered from depression and mm-hmm. um, growing up in a very traumatic household and, and and seeing the other members of my household suffering from some sort of mental illness. But what you hear in our culture, or at least what I heard growing up is, we don't want to give the Westerners any advantage of, of accepting that mental illness is a real thing because then that just means that exactly. we're giving credit to Westerners. So like, oh, what do you mean depression? That's it's um, it's the gin, you know, like exactly. you're not depressed. It's the gin, you know, someone commits suicide. Oh, that's not, that's not um, a mental illness. You know, you know, you should yeah. go, go to the sheikh and get um, like an exorcism or something, you know, it's yeah. just never a valid, it's never been a valid um, concern or legitimized. It's always been kind of underhanded and brushed away as something again, very cultural and very, you know, whimsical like oh you're possessed which is so so wrong especially with occupied with people that have been you know going through the nakba and have lived in refugee camps have lived a very tough life are now immigrants in this country where they don't feel at home where they feel like outcasts mental illness is so hard and it's that trauma trickling down from generation to generation and the silencing of that trauma that just makes the mental illness even worse. And it was just so interesting to me to see how we as a culture are not talking about mental illness enough. 
we're not we well equipped to yeah. because no. we, we use so many excuses before that. We yeah. either say the woman is crazy and she's just making up lies about her husband. She just wants to Ms. live Nuna. a free life because she yeah. was forced mm-hmm. into this marriage. Or the fact that maybe they don't pray enough. Maybe you don't go to the masjid enough. Mm-hmm. You're so far away yeah. from your religion. This is why. I understand you should pray. It, it does connect you to God. But at the same time, your mental health is another. There's a whole other aspect to it that right. you do need to get this treated. And and you know, I think a lot of our youth, they're fearful of ever going to a therapist or anything like that because um, our community would look down upon them. Even if they were taking the initiative to better their health, our community would look, look at them like, oh, you're so weak. You're going to go and actually sit with a therapist and talk about your issues? Like, what's wrong like, with what you? Like, what feelings? Don't talk about your feelings. Yeah. I feel like with such a closed-off community that Very. going outside is such, to get help it's such an embarrassment in our yes, lives. Like we don't, is. we don't. It's like you're almost shunned that. for it. I mean, and I yeah. I, and it's yeah. also like, what are you like? Like I have like madhkish. Like don't say anything. Like you yeah, can't yeah. expose your inner life. Like oh, what do you? Yeah. How are you saying that? And it's just like we're even encouraged to to keep everything in and stay silent and not to share these things because it's ayeb and like what will people think? Like are you really gonna you know tell people about all of these things, you know, you're not supposed to, no, but that's, a, you know, yeah. And it's almost like for a woman, you have to sell yourself before marriage. You can't expose the deep, dark things within you. And if you have any issues or right. whatnot, like you cannot, you have to be this perfect trophy wife yeah. for the, these future suitors. You know what I mean? Even if you're not in, a, in an arranged marriage, I mean, there's still a lot of people that just, they're not very open about mm-hmm. their internal struggles. Yeah. Like, um, I think cause our fam, like our parents weren't, their parents weren't. So it's just been passed on that. Like you just keep your, feelings inside you don't you don't seek the help when you need it sometimes yeah yeah sometimes even guys i mean i don't want to use this as an excuse for domestic abuse maybe that's not even this is not the right thought but i think maybe even guys have mental health issues and they take it upon their wives and vice versa i think that's where sometimes domestic abuse stems from as well maybe oh yeah i mean adam in in the novel is clearly yeah going through some mental illnesses i mean yes because of the pressure and and that and and that and and like the trauma and also the responsibility that he has with the eldest son as a provider i mean all of those pedestals that we put especially in our culture where the son is put on this pedestal and the women is just you know um unworthy and shamed of course the men are going to develop mental illnesses. Of course. Right. Exactly. And then another, moving on to another topic is just the way mothers treat their sons. I mean, that's, it's just noted. The son is like the gem of the family and whatnot. And then they put down their daughters. And for me, how I perceive that is if, if a brother sees the way his mom treats his own sister and treats her horribly, that's going to one day, that's going to be him in a, in 10, 20 more years when he gets married and he's going to treat his wife the same way his mother treated his sister, if that makes sense. So it's all, it all trickles down and it it gets passed down. So I think it's very important that our community needs to empower our women a little bit more. We we need to do better than this. And I think we need to stop looking at our daughters as burdens. And what did you say in the book? Belwas? How do you say that? Belwa. Belwa. Yeah. I don't know why I love that word. But it's like, I yeah. just love that word because it's like, right? it's like all my childhood, you know? Exactly. Like my mom, she had nine kids. And, yeah. you know, all, for in the beginning, they were all girls. And I remember oh, my yeah. grandma, she's like, you know what I mean? That's wow. so horrible. But yeah, can we talk about our religion? How high our religion places women? It's oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like you said in the book, and like it said in the Quran, the heaven is under the feet of a mother. Women are so important in our community but i think culture kind of brings it down yeah and so like in religion we're kind of placed high up and then with our culture we're kind of like knocked down a few levels i mean we started the feminist movement Mm -hmm. in like 
um, like say the Muhammad's days, like with Khadija mm-hmm. and everything. So yeah. we know all about the feminist movement. We're not getting invited to it now, but why it's our culture that oppresses us to the point where it makes it seem like, yeah, we don't have a voice when our religion has given us a voice and given us a stage to talk about everything, you know what I mean? Within our community. So it's like, I, I think our culture almost became our new religion. I, and it's, it's so it's, yeah. it's as rich as it is. There's also the dark side to it where it has become followed more so than our own religion. How and is a woman even, yeah. a Belwa? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you even said like that Farida places religion, I'm air propriety over religion. Yeah. That she yeah. focuses more on, Oh, you can't wear the hijab. Who, what guy is going to look at you? You know, exactly. that's the culture over religion. So it's, what do you think about that? Thought? I mean, I did that on purpose and I wanted to show like very clearly in your face, like no misinterpretation that, you know, Islam and the Quran are, have nothing to do with the oppression of women. In fact, they are, they place, they place women on the highest pedestal. Mm -hmm. If we actually follow Islam and the Hadith and the Quran, we see that women like, like exactly women is under the i mean heaven is under the feet of a woman yes. so like clearly there's a big divide between um right. culture and religion and i wanted to make sure that even westerners that were reading this book cannot like come away from it saying oh islam is such exactly. an oppressive religion because it has nothing to do like that's like judging american culture on the doctrines of christianity yeah okay Nothing to do with Christianity, sex, drugs, and all of the stuff that's going on. Exactly. In America has and the culture that we have of just like insanity has nothing to do with Christianity. Right. We're honing in right now specifically to our Muslim community, but let it be known that it's not that all these issues are not specific. Oh, to yeah, all domestic, yeah. Community. yeah, like domestic Absolutely. violence is not Absolutely. just an Arab Absolutely. problem. Absolutely, yeah. and that was your intention. Your intention yeah. wasn't just to say, "Oh, it's only the Muslims they have to go through this." No, no, no. It's in every other culture and every right. other religion as well. It's not just. Yeah. Us. yeah, my intention. My intention was to tell a family story about yes. this particular family. With, with these particular values and to make sure that this particular family and their values are present in literature and are seen. And hopefully that by advancing our women as a culture, we are we are advancing our society as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's I mean, that's the root of it, honestly. That really is the root of it. How did you find your voice to just stand up for yourself at often but like, you know what, this isn't the life like, that this I this is want. a time for me to tell my story. This is a time for me to Get what what was your breaking point or starting point, I guess? My, I, I, I think breaking point sounds better because I yeah. wrote, or it feels more true because I wrote, I wrote this novel at a very, very dark time in my life. It actually started off, started out as a diary entry and I was writing it, you know, just, you know, in rage and anger. And that's probably why at some time, at some points in the novel, like you can, you read it and you're just like so frustrated. Cause yeah. I mean, that's how I felt when I was writing it. I was, I was angry. Um, but I think what led me to that dark place aside from, you know, like very personal things that were happening in my marriage, um, patterns that I could see repeating things that I saw my mother going through that now all of a sudden I was going through limitations that I thought I had, I had escaped because I was educated, right? I was like, no way. I'm not going to repeat my mother's life. You know, my mother came from Palestine. She was uneducated. She was bound to the house with nine kids. I'm not going to repeat her life. I'm going to make sure that I educate myself. I'm going to make sure that I'm in control of my life, but I wasn't. Like everything that I tried to do and I still wasn't. And so 
I was like, God, imagine the girls that don't even have an education and that yeah. don't have a job. And then don't, yeah. and, and I was like, and I was like enraged. I was like thinking about my mother and her wasted life. And, and I was angry. And then I was thinking about my own life now. And I was thinking about what my daughter saw in very dark moments in my marriage so when she looked at me. And I was remembering all the things that I saw when I looked at my mother. Wow. And I was, I and I was, and I, I got chills. I got chills with all. Sorry, I told <laughs> it's okay. Um, and I, so I told myself this cycle of oppression and tragedy, really, yeah. is trickling down from unhealed trauma from one generation to the next. And I was going to give it to my own daughter, not just by what I didn't say, but, but what I was allowing to happen. And what she was seeing, she was going to grow up, she was going to let a man hit her, and she was going to think it was normal. She was going to think it was normal because her mother didn't do anything. Her mother just sat there. Her mother didn't say anything. And, And I thought it was normal, and I was letting it happen to me, and I was looking at my daughter, and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm... This is what I'm doing to my daughter. Yeah. Because what? Because I'm afraid to get a divorce? Yeah. Because what? Because I'm afraid that my whole family's going to tell me um, we're not supporting you. Like, I am, you, you've shamed us mm-hmm. because of that. that. Like, like, am I going to care about them or am I going to care about my daughter? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? This is, this, I'm writing this for all the women, including my daughter. That's beautiful. That it is. really is. Yeah. That, because that's so that's to the core and it's so raw and it's it's the truth honestly so now as a mother you have your daughter how are you raising her differently yeah. how what what importance of like what values are you are instilling you in her focus on now i'm focusing on raising her to see her own worth yep. independent of anything that anyone can give her mm-hmm. right like you know i was raised that I had to be beautiful or I was worthless, right? My mom, mm-hmm. eh, don't go, don't go under the sun. You're going to oh get God. dark. Same. Oh my God. Like your hair is like curly. Why is it curly? Why is it, you know, straighten <laughs> yeah. it? Or like, yeah. you know, or, or, um, you need to get married by X age or like, you're going to expire. You know what I mean? Like her worth was never, or my worth was I'm never instilled yeah. in me as an own individual. It was always dependent on how beautiful I was, how, how you others know, perceived you. how others exactly. perceived me, if whether or not I was modest enough for the community, whether or not everyone thought like I was a good girl, whether yeah. or not, you know, obedience was the only path to love, literally, mm-hmm. in, in, my, in how I was raised. And it was never a type of worth that I found coming from within me. And so I'm trying to raise my daughter to, to, to feel worthy on her own mm-hmm. and to seek only the things that empower her, educating herself, not just going to school, but education stems from within, yeah. educating her mentally and physically, talking to her about her emotions. If she's feeling anxiety, talking to her about, you know, what's bothering it's okay, her. Yeah. What is, what is anxiety? It's okay if you feel this way. Yeah. Not like, uskuti, 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 like, yeah. which is all I heard growing up, like, be quiet, be quiet. Exactly. And I internalize everything in, until I could no longer make sense of it. And it was horrible. And that's not how I want to raise my daughter. No, absolutely not. Yeah, you shouldn't. I feel like I sort of, in that case, do resonate with your own personal story because my mom is divorced. And growing up, I think my mom used her own past and learned from it. So when I was 18, it was like, okay, now you go off to college. You focus on your education. You do what you have. And she always told me, make sure you get your education because nobody can take that away from you. Yeah. Like once you have your degree, no one can touch that. That's yours. So I do mm-hmm. feel like you, as we're, as we're progressing through time, I think we're slowly getting rid. Not, I'm not saying they're completely gone, but we're slowly getting rid of those old 
traditions and cultural, you know, behaviors and kind of like I think using our, our own generation. Past, yeah, yes, it's using our mm-hmm. past to grow and you know, hopefully progress in a good way. I think because it's our generation now, we're the new generation that are having children and we're, we're obviously the ones now empowering our daughters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, it's like, I, I don't come from there. Like I think to this day, my mom thinks like marriage is number one. You're still not married. So it bothers her. It gives her anxiety. And I don't blame my mom in, in, in a sense because I know she wants the best for me, but it's hard to explain to my mom that I know what's best for me. I know when to get married and I know what I want to prioritize right now in my life. And I feel like when it comes to Naseeb, the first thing that you think of as soon as somebody says Naseeb, you think of marriage. But no, Naseeb is actually within everything. Naseeb is, are you meant to have an education? Naseeb is, where are you meant to live? Naseeb is like, what's going to happen to you the next day? Naseeb isn't just tied to marriage. So maybe sometimes right now to the girls that are listening that went through a divorce or the girls that are not finding a good guy to get married to, it's not your Naseeb at this moment. Something else is tugging at you it's another that's calling you calling your name that you should really focus on maybe marriage isn't the first thing and the last thing the girls of our community should always focus and hone in on and stress over it's not everything you know and another thing is it marriage doesn't complete you and i think people get lost in that it's not half of you it's half of your dean so as you you as a person you need to be whole you need to be 100 percent whole yeah. in order to find this person that's going to complete half of your dean not you and that's something that we really need to stress over very yeah also that's yeah. such a like misinterpretation of yes. that phase like when i was growing up and i would always hear like why the prior like why are you prior prioritizing I marriage and i would and i would hear like marriage is half of your deen and then i would interpret it as like you're not a good muslim until you like get married because exactly. like that's like once like once you get married like you've completed half of your deen but that's like ne- this is the first time this thought has ever occurred to me but that's actually not the only way you can interpret that phrase you could also interpret it like because marriage is the center of your entire life as in marriage and like the children that you produce in that marriage and the generation that you bring upon and what you teach them, it's like the dedication that you put in your dean, you have to put that dedication also into your marriage. Like you have to treat marriage like a religion in terms of like the work that you have to put into it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily like half of your dean is getting married, but as, as in like treat marriage the same as you would treat religion and dedicate yourself to it so you could teach your children and you could teach and you could, you know, you know, um, treat your wife and treat your husband in a way that, like religion, you know, like treat them with worthiness so that your children right. can see That's, it and repeat I'm, that. I'm so mind blown because I totally understand your concept and what you're you what I'm saying. A hundred percent because yeah. that's so true. It doesn't complete half your deen. It's not like half of you is missing when it comes to you being a good Muslim. Yeah. It's the other half is how much are you going to invest in your marriage to make in it a good marriage yeah. to, to pass down onto generations yeah. to your children? How are you going to treat your children? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, I mean, you don't I get because, 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 yeah. because your, your time on this earth, like half of your time on this earth is like, let's say not half, but like, let's yeah, just yeah. assume that it's for Allah, right? Yeah. And then like, what are, what's the other half of, that you're doing on this earth? Like, what are you really doing? What's more important? Nothing is more important than your family. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Like if you are a NASA scientist, like yeah. what you're teaching your family, the values, that's the next generation. Exactly. So that, yeah. that in a sense to me is why it's half of your dean. It's like, 
it's a, your, your, your second religion. I truly hope that people that are listening to this understand this concept because I think it's so important the way you just explained it. marriage is more than just cooking and cleaning for your exactly. husband exactly. and kids. It's instilling mm-hmm. the values that you want to be And honestly, Ithaf, this is all in our religion. Wallah, when you look back at the hadiths and the sunnah and all that stuff, it's all already written and how our prophet um, treated his wives with so much respect and so right. much dignity. And he, right. you know what I mean? He actually asked them how they were feeling and whatnot. This is all already written. You know what I mean? It's, it's just some of us are, yeah. are reiterating it and we understand it better. But then there's generations that just know they, they don't understand the concept of marriage. Marriage shouldn't save me. Marriage should never, mm-hmm. a guy should never save me and I should never save a guy. Marriage should be a partnership where both of you are equally working towards something, towards right. your children's education, towards the religion, towards your faith, all that stuff. And how are you going to help the community? It's, that's the core. Marriage is the core, but it's not meant to save anybody. No, that's, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Your book honestly touches upon so many topics. I think you did such a phenomenal job. And I, I really wanted to like kick off our podcast with you because I feel like this is something that every everyone girl... needs to read this book. Even if you're not going through a domestic, you know, violent relationship, even if you're not, yeah, even if you're not being forced into marriage, I think everyone needs to read this book because it touches on so many like core values that, like I said, there were a lot of uh, parts of this book that I didn't resonate with, but others I was like, oh my god, like yes. And like, then here yes. I am, I resonated with every single yeah. character in that book, and I know somebody that resembles that character in my real life. Right. And then there's moments where it's like I felt like I was Israel, like I was like, man, that's how I felt. Granted, mm-hmm. I had an education. But I felt like it was almost nothing with what I was dealing with. It was just like, who do you think you, you are? still powerless. Yeah. Do yeah. you think you're better than me because you have an education type of thing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. Like, when, when a man gets an education, he's looked at like, wow, he just finished his degree and whatnot. When a woman gets her education, it's almost perceived as like, ooh, she might be a little too kawiya. She might be a little mm-hmm. too strong-minded. She might be a little too outspoken. Be careful of her. Make sure you yeah. tame her yeah. and do not let her feel like she's better than you because she has a degree mm-hmm. and you're a business owner or something. I, I, I see that a lot within our culture. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh. one of my first drafts, like in the character, the character Farida was telling Dea, yeah. which is her granddaughter, no one wants to marry a college girl. Like, yeah. that nobody, I mean, and I, I edited it around because I did, I tried my best not to make the book stereotypical, but like in my, in my mind, I'm like, no, that's how it is. Yes. You know what I mean? I've been told this a million times. When I went to grad school, the first thing that my in-laws looked at me and they said, and then they looked at their son and they were like, she's going to think she's better than you. Now that she's educated, I'm like, why can't you just look at me being educated as a step forward for the entire, you know, your entire grandchildren? Why does it have to be that me, I'm better than your son, you know? Why does it have to be like, oh, Uh yeah, like the values that I'm going to be instilling in your grandchildren. Yeah. Shouldn't they like, doesn't that matter? Yeah, (laughs) You want the mother of your grandchildren to be uh, empowered and like to be able to like, man, I, uh, yeah. Again, going back to how times are changing. I know guys that are, you know, talking to girls and and they they won't even talk to a girl. She doesn't have an education because they feel like it's, it's so important for a girl not to just sit at home and wait for him by the door until he comes home, but to have her own thing going on. So I do think time is changing. And again, it's not it's not completely changed, no. but it is in the process of changing and it's getting there. It, it so is. Ho- hopefully it will. <sighs> it's, uh, I mean, like, I was about to call you one of your characters because I don't know why I really <laughs> resonate with this. At all. I really yeah. it's like one of those books where you really connect with the oh, characters. Yeah. So the character development in this book is amazing. But I, I, I think the topic that you're talking about is even just bigger than the book. It's just like it's something that you just opened up. 
And now it's like everybody needs to focus on this, talk about it, find it's ways gonna to It's going to start a conversation. That's hopefully. exactly what I think your intentions it's gonna, were. Yeah, it's going to start a conversation. And hopefully your book will be the beginning of changes for at least one person in the world. But I do think it'll it'll be a ripple effect. People read this book and I think it'll open up their eyes to say like, oh shoot, am I doing that to my daughters? Or, oh shoot, am I doing that to my wife? Yeah. And I do think it'll hopefully cause some, some change. Yeah. I hope so. You're the best. How are you doing another book or what's going on? Yeah, I'm writing another one now and I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to see where it's going. I want it to feel authentic. So I'm trying to decide, you know, what themes I want to explore and it's going to be a continuing conversation of this one, but with, you know, with older characters. I want Dia. I want to see what's going on with her life after, you know, all this. Yeah. It's going to be like someone like Dea who yeah. eventually, you know, went on with her life, not Daya per se, but someone, you know, like her, yes. someone our age now, instead yes. of, you know, 18 year old, but dealing with these issues in a different way. Exactly. That's, that's, oh, I can't wait to honestly, yeah, get that out soon. Enough. <laughs> we want it. We need more of this. <laughs> like I found myself throughout my drive to work, just like thinking about these characters. Yeah. Like it just became such a big part of my life. Like I was, I spent all of my free time reading this because book and then reflecting lives. back on it. So I can't wait for you to put more content out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so and much. Congratulations on everything. Well, I honestly, it's, it's, this book is worthy of all the success that it has received yeah. thus far. Um, I think our community needs to just full force come out and support you and support this book and read it and get their hands on it. Definitely. Um, we are going to be running a giveaway, um, inshallah. So let's, let's do this with off your honesty. <laughs> well, I love you so much. I'm so glad I met you. Well, how long has it been? Two years or a year or what? That we've met? Yeah, it was through Books and Beans when you first introduced yourself. Which is like, I'm a Palestinian Instagram girl. Page. I'm like, what? It's a Palestinian girl running Books and Beans? I didn't know. And then that's where, yeah, that's where it started. Yeah, it was probably, yeah, probably. It was probably like last year-ish. Yeah. Well, time wow. is flying now, so I, I, I'm losing track of it. But yeah. I'm so grateful to have you as a friend, as a reader, as a supporter. I'm so grateful to you. Well, same with off. We love you. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Seriously. You're the best. Thank you both. Thank (laughs) you both. Bye. Love you.